Welcome to the Be Kind Podcast with your host, Joe Kirkner, presented by the Animal Advocates of South Central Pennsylvania. Welcome everybody to the Be Kind Podcast, part of the Animal Advocates mission for a more compassionate world for all living creatures, whether those creatures believe in Santa, don't believe in Santa, believe in other religious figures or figures associated with the religious holidays all animals are loved and all animals deserve to be loved and so we're here to make sure that that is reality and today i have the honor and privilege of being joined by john again hi john hello and mr gary brown and mrs trudy brown hello hello how you how you guys doing hi guys hey (laughs) we are doing fantastic how are you all doing we're doing wonderful. Well, I mean, aside from the, the obvious pandemic, um, you know, having cutting off everything to where, you know, as, as, as far as working, that's kind of a not a thing right now. But other than that, you know, my spirits are, are high in spite of that. And, you know, just trying to soldier on and get through this. Excellent. Excellent. The answer I typically give when people ask how I'm doing is acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good answer. Yeah. So you already talked a little bit about it, but can you tell us a little bit about yourselves and what you're passionate about and what really gets you going? Well, okay. Well, a little about me. Um, I'm a musician. I started playing uh, guitar around 12 years old, um, inspired by my parents' record collection. And I started, I picked up the guitar. It seemed like the instrument that kind of called to me and, um, I've been doing that now for about 40 years. And as far as other than music, the things that really get me are social justice issues. I've always been a fighter for the underdog, which actually intersects to my converting to veganism. Hmm. I had someone point out to me um, one night. So anyway, we, I won't jump ahead of myself, but it was just kind of, you know, that's that's I'm passionate about social justice, passionate about veganism and animal rights. And I'm just passionate about the planet and the environment. So those are the things, and and music, and that pretty much sums me up. How about you, honey? Yeah, pretty much. I we're blessed to have like um, similar similar interests, and with me being a graphic designer and an artist, uh, I am able to help him with promotion efforts for his band, and we collaborate on a few uh, projects like when I illustrate some of his videos for his songs for YouTube and when I posters and then things like that. Hmm. And, and you're vegan too, right? We are both vegan. We both went vegan together. Although I was leaning more towards um, vegetarianism mm-hmm. uh, for several months before we actually went vegan because I was having some serious issues with mobility and my weight. And so when we moved from the D.C. metro area up to Pennsylvania, we both started focusing on our health. And after going down to a show in Greenbelt, um, we were invited to a kind of like a um, bonfire after the show and met a woman at the bonfire who was vegan and had a really nice conversation. And she invited us to what they put on in Greenbelt, Maryland. It's called real and meal where you watch a movie about being vegan and they give you a vegan meal and then they have a panel of experts afterwards so we went to that and it kind of flourished from there like trudy said she ate a lot more uh 
you know, vegetables and had a lot more varied diet before that. And uh, because of her previous health issues, she had already started looking at that. I myself, before this party, like I said, again, I, I have to be honest with you. I, you know, she had to kind of get me to eat vegetables because I was such a carnivore. <laughs> and, and, and I'm just going to like, I'm just going to be real. And like I said, so the person whose name is, I, I, I guess we can mention people's name. Yeah. Her name is Cam McQueen. And she, she posed something that I, and she was a person that had never made me think before about sentient beings, the concept of like, why do we love some animals and choose to abuse and, and, and mistreat others just, you know, to put them in our stomachs. And she really opened up to me the whole idea of as ethics, as far as, you know, being a vegan, as far as I could no longer, you know, look at, at, domesticated animals that were that were used for purpose of ingestion i can no longer look at them without guilt and that was just the beginning of that process for me so that's a lot of it for me too was ethical it wasn't my wife's motivation was more health mine was more ethic at first there, there was also the one phrase that stuck in both of our heads after our conversation at the campfire um because we're such advocates for equal rights and Gary, some of gary's lyrics talk about um the plight of black society and police brutality she brought up the fact that animal rights are equal rights because soul food is slave food and what that means and i know it sounds really blunt but what it means is that the slaves were given all the scraps, all the pieces of the animal that the white slave owners didn't want to eat. And the, fa the fact that they were ingenious enough to turn those scraps into something delectable and healthy means that, that um, they were also capable of, of taking those same kinds of spices and putting them towards vegetables so that they could be even more healthy and not have to eat the scraps of the animals, and not have to eat animals at all. That's really interesting. I've never heard that before. Thanks yeah. so much for sharing that. Absolutely. I already touched on this a little bit with your uh, social justice um, lens and your different types of activism. So I want to jump right to this question, because this is something that I find extremely interesting as another social justice-minded individual. How, what ways has your veganism and or social justice activism really played off each other or what ways do you see them working together or maybe not working together as you start to live your life? Well, well, for me, it's I have to put it this way. It's been a, a process since I came to the awaken. I'm not going to say to was an awaken awakening and an enlightenment about, you know, veganism. And I truly believe now that no animal deserves to suffer for us. It's just it's just not cool. So. I, like I said, again, am black. So because of that, my culture, you know, we, we haven't been uh, very vegan friendly because it's just in the midst of our other issues. That has been something that black people just have been reluctant, I think, to to embrace. Well, and there's also the, the social economic uh, confines that the white patriarchy has put on um, people of color to where sometimes the only food that they can afford is the food that's bad for you, which includes, you know, like cheap bacon and, and chicken uh, bologna and things like that that are not vegan and not healthy for you. 
And sometimes making the switch can be hard for some vegans until they realize that there are economical alternatives. You mentioned a little bit about the uh, systemic issues facing black Americans and how that is a barrier to them in so many ways. But I'm thinking specifically as how it relates to practicing a vegan lifestyle. What advice would you give to any black Americans out there, any potential allies of ways we can help that fight in that movement? I I would just, I would just raise awareness, uh, Joe, in this way, I would remind people that how healthy it is to be vegan. Now, like I said, again, my motivation for being vegan is not health first. My motivation first is ethical. I just love all animals and I don't want any animals to suffer. So, but then again, there's another side of being vegan and that is the health side. And so the black community, as we all know, John, you know this too, Mm -hmm. the black community is plagued with hypertension. It's plagued with obesity. It's plagued with diabetes. And um, most of these maladies can be traced to the ingestion of animal products and, and their deleterious effects on our health. So what I would just say to any potential allies of my race towards the vegan thing as far as just just remember it's better for you let's start there mm-hmm. it's just simply better for you and we need to have a healthier community and i'm I, and i'm just going to make this an intersectional thing i i want to kind of move a little bit past the the black just the issue right now and just make it a human issue and just say our planet cannot afford the consumption of meat anymore. The consumption of meat is causing not just the domestic animals that we inflict the suffering on to suffer, but it's also affecting our, um, you know, our wild habitat and and uh, and the, the planet yes, the planet is suffering. The over farming, the um, pollution, everything um, that's harming our planet, including uh, the way we eat. Is harming our planet and being vegan is gentler to the planet and can help repair some of the damage that we humans have inflicted on our planet i mean if we want to keep it around i don't know if we have a planet b <laughs> <laughs> we do it's just really far away <laughs> who told you <laughs> <laughs> really far <laughs> So hopefully yeah. we're not getting too far in the woods uh from your from your question joe Oh no! This is great. In yeah. the past ten minutes, you've just very you just very articulately expressed so many different ways and reasons to go vegan. So thank you so yeah, much. Absolutely. So uh, since we're on that uh, topic of uh, that, uh, so you also mentioned that you're a musician. So have you used any of your music to help push some of these agendas, like so far as like veganism and stuff like that? Have you d- incorporated that much in your music? Okay, now, uh, to be honest with you, to up to this point, uh, those the, my music has been more focused on social justice issues, mm-hmm. and I haven't incorporated that as of yet. Mm-hmm. But what I have done is start to play events that are you know sponsored by vegans mm-hmm. and and um, also raise uh, consciousness at places I play on, that are unfortunately not vegan. I make sure that everybody knows that I'm vegan and you know if, if there's no and my wife too and if there's no vegan options that we won't be partaking of anything there. I'm I'm looking as far as into writing some songs to address that. So so like I said, I haven't touched on that specifically. Okay. And yeah, when, we, when we book gigs, since I do all the booking, mm-hmm. when we book gigs, I make sure that 
I tell them, well, you say part of the contract is that you're going to provide a meal for the band. Mm -hmm. You have to know that three of the four band members are vegan. So you need to have some vegan options on your menu or something so that they will be able to take advantage of that perk Mm -hmm. that comes. Or you can, you know, financially compensate us so that we can bring our own food. Right. And and just mentioning that to people really starts the gears going. And I've noticed that when we've booked the same places more than two or three times, that they start incorporating those meal options that they've offered to us as a band to the rest of the patrons, too, and then thanked us for it. That's awesome. That's good. I didn't think about it well. That is good. That's awesome. So uh, you mentioned that when you're on stage that sometimes you will say, Hey, I'm vegan. Have you had any weird like interactions with that? Any like trolls or anything like that? Like going boo vegan. Well, well, well of course, depending on where you're at, John, mm-hmm. de- depending on the audience, depending on the state. And, and I just have to, you know, you have to look at it in a realistic way. Some places they're, they're going to be a lot more receptive to that message. And some places in the country, and I don't want to, you know, point fingers in any geographic locations, and mm-hmm. I'm going to avoid that. <laughs> some other places, they're, they're, um, you're more liable to get heckled and trolled and made fun of. Mm-hmm. And specifically, I've noticed this. Here's a great irony about speaking of heckling of vegans. I've noticed that people like to say things like salad eater or soy mm. boy and all these derogatory things. Until they smell my bacon. Oh, uh, oh you're, you're yeah, shaitan. my shaitan <laughs> bacon. Or they, they see the, the uh, shaitan gyros that we're eating and they're like, oh, wow, you got a gyro. Where'd you get that? <laughs> and that's a good point, honey. But, but the thing I was going to say about that is, is that if you look at nature and you look at a lot of people, too, all of the strongest animals mm-hmm. are vegan. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. A moose, a moose with its antlers. It's yeah. nothing but plants. Yeah, yeah. Elephant. I mean, I could just yeah. go on and on. <laughs> well, all of the strongest, especially land-living creatures, they're yep. by far are all vegans, and mm-hmm. they're all healthy. And it's the same thing with people. There's this myth that you can't get adequate nutrition and adequate proteins from a vegan lifestyle, and that's just a load of bunk. <laughs> that the that the uh the you know the beef industry and other such other poisoners and I'm gonna say that sorry I, nope you're right um, I mean, that's... but I have to call them a poisoner because I do believe that they're responsible for uh, the the general unhealth of the American population the beef, and and then I'm not gonna you know let dairy go unscathed too right. so I'm I'm just saying when it comes to it it's the best thing for you but once again. It's the best thing for your empathy and your heart to realize that the same way you can eat that animal, you can love that animal. Absolutely. Well said. So, and I'm climbing down now. <laughs> the, the thing about our health that Gary and I have noticed just personally is when we go to the doctors for a checkup. Mm-hmm. You know, at the beginning of each visit, they do your blood pressure, they do your temperature, they do your all your vitals. Mm-hmm. And our blood numbers and blood pressure and all those numbers, they usually do them twice because they don't believe the numbers when they first get them. Yeah. Oh, pulse rate and everything. They're yeah. exemplary. And like I just said, it's just... And especially for my family where my dad has had two bypasses and four, what do you call, stints. And my, you know, all my father's side of the family has heart issues. All my brothers and sisters have heart issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, two of my brothers are asthmatic. I'm the only one in the family, and I, you know, middle child, mm-hmm. 
only one in the family who's vegan and the only one who has really good stats as far as blood pressure and mm -hmm. and uh, cholesterol yeah i'm on the same boat there i i'm the only vegan in my family well my cousin's vegan now but yeah i'm the only one and i'm the healthiest person in my family it's like oh geez like <laughs> that's scary and sad and, and john and trudy I, w I would think that your family would see you guys as example yep. and realize you're healthier and kind of go towards that but maybe not so much yeah no they're, they're so conditioned laziness, i think I, I i see it as laziness i i know that when we see them when we're at family reunion they make an effort yeah but will they make that same effort when we're not around right. is the problem right yeah because my parents come to vegans giving when i have it or like if i make something vegan they love it but like outside of that they don't really go out of their way to do vegan things it's like ah, oh, come on you're so close like you can do this but they just you know it's just one of those things yeah. and i think uh, for both you guys joe and john I, I just think it's most unfortunate that more people aren't getting on that train because they have to realize what animal agriculture specifically is doing to you know not only this country but this planet this planet mm -hmm. yeah. and it's like i said again the encroachment on the rainforest there's so many different things that the consumption of meat fosters. There's so many uh, deleterious side effects that are caused by our, our bloodlust, if you will. And yeah. and it's just, it's it's an un, not only is it un, it's it's an um, unsustainable situation. Yeah. Like they can't continue. We literally don't have the planet for everybody to keep eating. You know your burgers, guys. We don't. <laughs> it's yeah. not it's not going to work. The right. amount of land that it takes to make that burger not just the the roaming then the grazing land for the cattle but all the corn and the wheat and all the foods that they have to farm to feed those animals mm -hmm. is is land that should be wild yeah so that our planet can get oxygen and sustain nature i describe it as if you want to build a car, first you build a hundred bicycles and then break down the bicycles to build them into a car. That's how I describe it to people. Yeah. Yes. yes. I like that. That's a very good analogy. So something I was going to ask that I think you've already answered amazingly is something that activists run into a lot is the more you get involved in any type of social justice, whether it's something to do with ethnicity, poverty, veganism, what have you, once you start peeling back those layers, you keep seeing more and more things in the world and more and more things to direct your energy and time and resources to. And sometimes you feel like you can't fight for it all. But it sounds like you're saying those people are thinking too small. That's all part of a bigger picture. And we all need to just fight for the best world and best people possible within the life we're living now. Exactly. It's it's very it's like veganism and and uh, uh, human rights and all. It's all very intersectional. If we can just stand back and look at it all, and just like I said, and realize the fact that you know, just because we we were raised in a system does not mean we have to adhere to that. We don't have to cling to that. Well, and one of the thing I think one of the hurdles that a lot of the the impoverished neighborhoods are having is the fact that there's been food deserts created to where they're not even allowed to have a garden in their you know plot of land where their apartment building is and so i'm have been trying to champion the idea of hydroponic vegetable growth centers within the inner city so that you don't have to worry about 
bringing the food from out of town into the city. You don't have to worry about shipping. You don't have to worry about the fuel costs. You're talking about self-sufficient, self-sustainable, good nutrition, vegan nutrition. That doesn't impact the environment. Well, there's there's I, reasons why they don't want that to happen, too. I know, but there are, there are a few companies that are doing it, yeah. especially in California. Um, Dylan Radigan, that used to be on MSNBC, mm-hmm. has um, partnered with a company, and they're doing hydroponic. And what they're doing is they're taking old warehouses and turning them into hydroponic growth centers using solar energy and recycled water and bringing vegetables to those neighborhoods and therefore making it easier for people in those neighborhoods to become vegan. That's amazing. And the great thing about that is once you cut out all the transportation costs, all the logistics and all that stuff of shipping from all over the place, a lot of times that food's actually cheaper than what people could get at the corner store at the local McDonald's or things like that. Eggs and cheaper and fresher. Yes, and because it's hydroponic, you don't have to worry about Monsanto products because there are no soil-borne pests when you don't have soil. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right, you're talking, Trini. When you you're talking about cutting Monsanto out of their piece of the pie. Yes. <laughs> yes. They're actually the a huge people. sponsor of the podcast. <laughs> yes, I'm with you on that. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I that'd be great to have that happening down there and having that going on. Something that came up as John and I were thinking of questions to ask you is. How do you respond to, let's say, you get booked for a gig at a non-veganist establishment, not even just a normal non-vegan establishment, let's say a local barbecue or something like that, that's solely focusing on the consumption of animals? How do you respond to that type of situation? I'm going to take this one. Honestly, I've stopped, and and it's the thing, too. There's there's, uh, quite a few because I play blues-based music. Mm-hmm. So there's there's an association between blues and barbecue. I'm sure you've even yep. heard festivals with those two names, you yep. know, as part of the moniker. However, I've just got to the point now that I'm just gonna. I I, I just honestly don't don't. Yeah, I just don't really take so those gigs as often. When when we're approached, I I, I've stopped. It. I've stopped approaching them. But when we are approached by people that say, "Hey, we want to have you come play at our bacon fest," mm-hmm. and I will say. We would love to perform if you also provide vegan bacon. Are you, you're having a bacon fest, so you're going to have all these forms of bacon. I need you to make sure that you have carrot bacon and seitan bacon and vegan options. Otherwise, why would I perform there? Because my fans know I'm vegan and they're not going to show up unless there's vegan options. Which ties back into what I just said. I've just mm-hmm. gotten to the mindset, and especially, you know, like I said, I can... It's easy to say, but I can adhere to it pretty well. Mm-hmm. I'm just at the point now, guys, that I just don't feel like I should have to play those gigs. I it I can't ethically, I just can't ethically get behind it. So I just I'm at the point where if the now here's it. This ties into another thing though. Now we need to have more um, <laughs> vegan festivals and and vegan uh, uh, places that to play. Yeah. But but like I said, to answer your question honestly, I'm just I just I'm just cutting back and and I'm gonna have to just stop. You know now fin- financial things stipulate that sometimes you need a gig because you work for yourself. Right. 
I mean, it's just the practical reality of it all. So ideological purity aside, that's where my heart, my heart is just not doing those anymore. I so I, I, yeah, I really I prefer around and yeah. watch people eat death on a plate. Yeah, and smelling it and just seeing all the people yeah. with the just just the the callous disregard and all. It just really. And then by the time that I'm ready to perform on something like that, I'm not going to be as it's it's not going to be the same show that if I were at somewhere like say Vegfest for instance, right. and and I'm around a lot of like-minded people with awesome vegan food, there's just a different vibe. Mm-hmm. So, now I know I sound like an old hippie. <laughs> but like, speak, what is your vibe? But, the vibe is a puddle that you put in your chain. That's, <laughs> <laughs> but, wow, wow. So speak, sorry, guys. No, you're good. So speaking of uh, Vegfest, you played Lancaster Vegfest. What was it? Three times now or twice? I think it's twice. It's, it was, I think it was twice, mm-hmm. and I think that we were being considered for the next time, yes. and I think that that's... And then because of coronavirus. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, COVID, <laughs> COVID reared its spiky we, head. We paid <laughs> two other uh, vegan festivals besides VegFest. Okay. Um, they were both down in Greenbelt, and they were both organized by the woman who helped us become vegan. Oh, nice. And that's where we met Honey LeBronx. I, oh, I'm nice. sure you know Honey LeBronx. I sure do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and one of those and Kale Fest is oh, one yeah. of the ones you're talking about. Yeah, it was Kale Fest and Acorns a Go Go. Acorns a Go Go. <laughs> nice. Sounds fun. So, what was that experience like for you uh, playing Lancaster Veg Fest compared to like the other festivals? Was was the turnouts? Uh, different. Uh, what was the reception like for you at those? Oh events? my God! I just you, you know, like I said, it got better. The first year, it was fun. Mm-hmm. It was fun, but the second year was even that was much better. Mm-hmm. It's it's been a totally benign experience. Mm-hmm. So let, let me try to think of some things about <laughs> it that weren't fun. I, you know what? I really can, and I'm not just blowing smoke. Well, even I mean, the parking I'm sure was an issue for some of the friends that came out to be at VegFest with us. Right. But even the performers are allowed parking behind the stage, so that wasn't a problem. Yeah, that, yeah, that worked out yeah. great for you. <laughs> I think the, uh, the biggest hurdle for me at VegFest was remembering to put on sunscreen. Mm, yeah, that was. I was suffering pretty bad that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and for me, I remember that, and I felt bad for you guys. I just stand in the sun for eight hours, and I just get a little darker. Right. I mean, I, I do know other black people that do sunburn, but mm-hmm. I'm not one of them. Uh-huh. So, so I'm I'm just impervious to the effects of the sun. And so, just to get back to that, mm-hmm. it it was also great, especially the second year, to realize that were that many like-minded people. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the fact that both years that we came, we brought vegan drummers with us, nice. and the. The second year we were there, um, Justin was in the process of moving Mm -hmm. the same day that we had uh, VegFest. And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to keep the the moving van an extra day because I want to stay here and be around all these vegans and and visit the shops and stuff. And even check out this incredible food. Nice. So, so what were what was uh, Kale Fest like? Tell us a little bit about that. That sounds interesting. Kale Fest was interesting. Okay, and and I'm, and this is no um, like I said, I'm not trying to suck up to to Veg Fest. <laughs> it was it was a little less organized okay. than Veg Fest. The place where they yes, honey, had acorns to go go and Kale Fest <laughs> is downtown Greenbelt, Maryland. And I don't know if you know about this city structure, but it's one of the towns that was part of the Great New Deal. They they did this 
trial city where they had the city center and then all the homes are in a circle and so they've got this fdr kind of center okay in the middle of town and it's really like a glorified parking lot <laughs> right. and so they've got like a really old theater and a really old restaurant structure and a teeny tiny little grocery store and a library mm-hmm. and they put the stage right in the middle of all that oh wow and then there was really like very little room for the vendors and so you're kind of like squeezing between the booths mm-hmm. right so there was there was a substantial turnout because it's in the dc metro area but it's all the regular hippies that turn out to all the regular hippie shows Wow. you know what i mean like when dark store orchestra plays it's the same crowd nice so um, it was interesting to see some of them, like, open their minds towards being vegan, but then you were getting equal amounts of hecklers. Right. Wow. And, and so just, just to sum up your question now, it, like I said, again, both uh, Acorns of Go-Go and, and uh, uh, Kale Fest, they were nice and they were, they were quaint. Um, and the intention was well, but it was not. I'm just going to be honest. There was uh, There's nowhere near the, the awesomeness of Red Fest. No, it just wasn't. <laughs> It just wasn't. And then just, like I said, like I said, I just got to be can, honest. And you can ask Penny LeBronx because she emceed the second year. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, though. Yeah. So we're coming up on half an hour, so I don't want to take up too much of your weekend. But we just have a couple more questions. John told me you have a story of sorts about pawpaws. <laughs> you lo- you uh, love pawpaws. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we had never had papa and john put up a facebook uh post saying that he had an abundance mm-hmm. and so we got in the car and rushed to york as fast as we as we possibly could so we could get <laughs> as many of, of these delicacies as we could before everybody else snatched them up right and of course by the time we got there from carlisle which was about an hour um there was only half of them left and he just gave us everything he had <laughs> and they were he was him and his and and his um aunt, female aunt, aunt or, or mother yes. or somebody yes, who was aunt. there <laughs> we're like yeah we're like oh we apologize they're a little bit overripe and and i got them home and i was just in heaven <laughs> i peeled them i washed them i blended them i froze them we made smoothies we made papa bread it was just like this wonderful gift that i'd never had oh. before or since and i still have some of the seeds in the um, refrigerator waiting to germinate nice so, yeah, so you- we're actually thinking about trying to grow some nice how would you describe their taste like i when i tried them it was kind of almost like it was like a banana but it kind of tasted like chocolate to, to me to me there's to, now to me there's it's there's several different things banana is a strong thing but i also kind of get like a banana mixed with a pear mm. mixed 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 that's what i get banana I with a that. pear definitely and a, a little bit of mango flavoring but they, yeah. it's, it's kind of like when you have um uh what's the big spiky ball fruit gary are oh, you talking about durian fruit? Yeah, it's kind of like with you have durian. The, the pawpaw is going to take on the flavors of the earth and the surrounding area uh, through the root system. Mm-hmm. And so the pawpaw in, that we got from John might taste a little bit different than pawpaw that you get from somebody else. Right. But but just, just in general, I, I would say 
it's kind of a but like if you took a banana and a pear and maybe a mango and you like you know got them all to like you know smushed them all together <laughs> that, that's kind of a description of pawpaw but totally not it's still got its own thing they yeah. still have this kind of this and and i like i said i'm i'm addicted now so i'm just you know <laughs> yeah, and, it's and very I, unique. unfortunately i know that they're, they're kind of they grow in certain places we actually played in a in pawpaw which is named after pawpaw apples nice. in pawpaw west virginia Interesting. at a at a at a nudist it's uh, a nudist resort and what's the name of it? Which, which, and they had they had us there for their barbecue fest, the blues beer and barbecue fest at the nudist resort. And I made sure that they had vegan options. Yeah, in Paul Paul, West Virginia. And, and you performed at this, right? Yes. Did you perform? Yes, I'm going to ask the question. Did before you, you and before <laughs> I, and I know the obvious question. And yes, I did. Okay. Okay. I mean, I couldn't. I couldn't. It would kind of been. It would have been weird for for no, our for, drummer. Our drummer and our bass player took their shirt off, but they were kind of nervous. Right. <laughs> and they were looking at. They were looking at Gary, and because I was there with coworkers who were nervous, I wasn't going to disrobe until after they left. Okay. But we went swimming and and hung out. Yeah. Yeah, but as awesome. as far as me performing, I you know pass up opportunities to play naked. Right. Right. I mean, you know, and and like I said, the crowd's naked. <laughs> you know, there's people like listening to you digging it. They're naked. I would have felt weird with clothes on. So. <laughs> right. Families with little kids dancing. Naked. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah, no, no weird vibe. This has been an amazing discussion, Absolutely. and I've loved hearing everything you have to say. Do you have any final words for our listeners? Um, just I just appreciate it, uh, John and Joe. I just appreciate the wonderful opportunity to to uh, be on you guys' po- podcast, and I mean, I'm sure now that you had a musician, you guys can say, "Well, we've done that. Won't be doing that again." <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, we'll get a lot more. <laughs> and oh hopefully- my gosh, it went off topic so much. Yeah, they ramble. No. They ramble. We- <laughs> we would love no, to have you back it, on. But when they when musicians ramble, they call it improvising. That's yeah. right. Right. <laughs> You're just giving us the complete story. That's it. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, Not leaving any deeds. No stones unturned. That's but right. We we really had a fun time. So oh. what about you, Trudy? Uh, I loved it. Thank you so much for having oh, us, guys. Absolutely. If somebody wants to book you, hear your music, find out more, how can they get a hold of you? That's on you. What did he say? He said if someone wants to book us, and he's giving us a chance oh, to promo, honey. Yeah, um, you can reach us either through the website or through Facebook. Everything, all you have to do is just Google Bushmaster Blues, and all our links will come right up. Bushmaster Blues being one word. And you can even, our email is super easy, too. It's bushmasterblues at yahoo.com. Is there anything else? Oh, yeah, there's one more thing. Everybody... Go vegan today. Stop the suffering. Stop the bloodshed. Stop the rape of our planet by the industrial farming complex. Go vegan now. And that's it for me. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. You're amazing. Love you guys. Love you too. After you're done booking them for your next event, you could send us an email over at bekindpodcast at gmail.com. Like, subscribe, share this podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, and now Stitcher. And spread the word. Veganism is great. Thank you, everyone, for this amazing conversation. Have a fantastic rest of your evening, and thanks for listening. Take care. (laughs) Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Be Kind Podcast, presented by the Animal Advocates of South Central Pennsylvania.